Hello, and welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, proudly presented by Roast House Pub, where elevated culinary creations meet a fresh, evolving craft beer selection, making it one of Frederick's unique dining destinations. Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Chris Sands, and today uh, it's an episode I'm actually very excited about because I grew up uh, in Pittsburgh where Great Lakes Brewing is a very popular beer. Um, it's brewed in rival Cleveland, but we still enjoyed the beer a lot, probably because, I mean, you guys have been around for quite some time, um, and you were making good beer before there were many places in Pittsburgh making good beer, so we had to adopt something from Cleveland to enjoy. Uh, so I'm, I'm joined by Steve Foreman and Mike Williams from Great Lakes Brewing Company. Thanks for joining me, gentlemen. Thanks for having us. Yep. Happy to be here. And I, I actually, I didn't realize um, how popular in this area that you guys already were. Because um, I think it's it's coming up on a year that you actually had just launched into Maryland. And I, there was way more of a buzz about it than I would have anticipated. Just because it, I, like, you don't hear people talk about Great Lakes in Maryland but then, like, as soon as you guys launched, everyone talked about how much they like Great Lakes beer. Thanks. Good. Yeah. Uh, we were just talking with our uh, our area manager down there, Lauren Nagy. She's awesome. And, uh, you know, we, when we entered the state uh, last October, we partnered with Backup Beverage, which is a totally craft-focused yeah, distributor. So, you know, uh, all our distributor partners are great, but when – the focus of the house is entirely craft. That means everything is focused on breweries like us, which is which is awesome. So uh, they've they've really been killing it for us, and I, I guess we're in backups at least in the top twenty, and might even be close to the top ten. So definitely got to give a hat tip to our uh, distributor partners at Backup there for making us well known. Um, we really appreciate that. So. Yeah, they're always um, one of the distributors listed by Maryland breweries as one of the really good ones. So it's you guys definitely went with the the right company. Yeah, awesome here. And I look forward to once things clear up to visit the crew down there and see what's going on. So I, I'm a little biased, uh, but Maryland does have some great beer and Frederick has um just the best beer in the nation. So you should definitely go to Frederick. Yeah, yeah. I've never actually made a stop, but you know, I know flying dogs right there. So uh Cut my teeth early on with a good old Belgian IPA early on in my my craft days. So, and there are, there are about ten other amazing breweries in right in tiny little Frederick to visit. Awesome. So, I don't know how so how long has uh, Great Lakes Brewing been around? When when were they founded? Can you actually so can you just give us the origin story of Great Lakes? Yeah. Foreman, do you want me to handle that one? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, cool. Uh, and I'm kind of like the the big time education nerd at the brewery. So, oh yeah, uh, so I didn't, I didn't, I, I neglected to say what oh, you guys do. Uh, Mike is the education is coordinator. Yes, coordinator. Yeah, and uh, Steve Foreman is the uh, brew pub brewer or yep. brewing yep. manager, pub brewing sure. manager. I manage, <laughs> I manage myself. That's about it. That's <laughs> So nice you, you have horrible employees or just they're uh, all good? My, employees, my employees are the worst. <laughs> <laughs> my underlings are the worst. 
because it's just me. They always talk back. Foreman, <laughs> do you want do you want to say a little bit about what you do in the pub before we dive in? Oh uh, yeah, that's fine. Uh, yeah, I do. Um, you know, I, I brew on our original seven barrel system. The you know the the first system they started brewing Dortmunder on, um, and from there I, I <clears throat> with that I basically I get to play around. I make all the pub exclusive stuff. Um, a lot of R and D is done on there. It, that was our only source of R and D for a long time um, until we got some other equipment. I think we'll talk about that later on. Um, but yeah, so I, I get to screw around. I get to have fun. I, I do have one of the, uh, the best brewing jobs in, in the company, you know, um, you know, make sure beer's flowing, make sure it tastes good. Um, every once in a while, if I get a really stupid idea, I can whip it up <laughs> real quick, you know, and try it out. So. That's awesome. really cool that um, you guys are still utilizing your, uh, I, I, in, in comparison, tiny brew house that you started on. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's a good little system, you know, I mean, there are some challenges seeing as it's 32 years old and you couldn't really get a seven barrel system too easily back then. You know, this was a uh, custom made, we drew uh, the designs were drawn up and we took it to some welders about 45 minutes south of here. And they made, they made the, uh, the first tank, all our first tanks that I, I still use the first fermenters, the first brights that they built are, are still in use in our pub. So did, did Great Lakes start as, and this will be a great segue into you, Mike, giving the whole story, but did Great Lakes start as just as a brew pub? Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, our little, um, give our little history here. And part of my, my past role was being a public tour guide. So I, I literally said this little spiel here about uh, 10 times a day on Fridays and Saturdays uh, for three years. So it, it's in there. Um, we did start off as a brew pub. Um, we operated that way from 1988 to 1992. Um, our origins for the company uh, start with two brothers, Pat and Dan Conway from Rocky River, Ohio, which is like 20 minutes directly west of downtown Cleveland. Uh, so two local boys were kind of getting the itch to do something a little different. Uh, Pat was in education and Dan was in banking at a, a local bank in town. And uh, they decided they wanted to go the entrepreneurial route and open up their own brewery. And that's why they ended up founding Great Lakes Brewing Company as a brew pub. A, a couple of things that tie into that are a large part of the inspiration for founding a brewery in the first place came from Pat's travels in Europe. Uh, he went to the Rome campus for Loyola Chicago for study abroad. And of course, while he was there, he took advantage and explored the entire continent and had some really uh, stunning beers like fresh Czech Pilsner from the source, uh, effervescent Belgian ales, and so on and so forth. So he wanted to bring back those full flavored and full bodied beers to the city of Cleveland. We hadn't had a brewery for uh, about five years at that point. And then part of the key for opening as a brew pub specifically was uh, the, the traditional beers in Europe are so frequently paired with wonderful food and rich experiences with other people and in, in conversations, whether it's in a you know, Bavarian beer garden or a, a Belgian cafe or what have you. So, um, when the brothers started the company, they wanted to bring that element, not just the amazing beer, but also the, 
the high quality experiences that you could have over a shared meal and over some well-crafted beverages. So um, that is why we ended up opening up as a brew pub. Um, Operated that way for six years. Then we moved around the corner in our neighborhood in Cleveland, which is called Ohio City. Um, near west side of town, about five, seven minute drive from downtown, just over the Cuyahoga River. We opened up a um, 30 barrel production facility in that plant, done pretty well the first six years, established a good reputation. Uh, we won a bunch of medals from Great American Beer Festival. I'm rocking this year's hat. Uh, it's obviously not happening in person this year, but um, they still send us hats. That's nice. Farmers That's nice a hat too. <laughs> so thank you, uh, Brewers Association. And of course the competition is still happening. Uh, so we started distributing throughout Ohio at that point. Um, and then in 1998, we moved to our large system uh, and we've been brewing there ever since. Um, so that's the extremely concise uh, overview of the history right there. So can people visit the main brewery? Is there a tap room there too? Or is all customer facing stuff at the brew pub still? We do have some customer facing stuff open right now. So um, obviously we're taking all the proper precautions for uh, the pandemic right now. So all our tables are six feet apart. Um, Plenty of patio seating, although of course patio season is starting to wane a little bit, but everything inside is also appropriately spaced. Um, Barriers in between, you know, bar stools and tables and things like that. Uh, Mask wearing from staff. So on and so forth. So the pub's open. Foreman's got a couple fun brews on tap right now uh, that I'm sure he'll talk about. And uh, limited many, but the kitchen staff's really killing it, um, considering the kind of the tight circumstances. There's some some really unique stuff. They have a a burger with corned beef and sour bread. Basically, a Reuben sandwich on a burger. Um, which that sounds is obviously, interesting. Obviously called the Reuben, right? So <laughs> uh, a lot of um, pretty good stuff food-wise at the pub right now, too. No tours right now, unfortunately. Um, Our production facility is in a very old building. It goes back to the 1870s. It was actually a um, distribution facility for a brewer in the late 19th century, uh, Leonard Schlather. And uh, as you you can imagine, it is a pretty tight space in there. So it's a little little too tight in there to do brewery tours, but... What's cool is, and I think it's something we will probably come back to later, we're doing a lot of online experiences through our um, Facebook page, or uh, I run a program called Hop College, which is an education program we normally do in person, but we're running many events uh, online right now. So we're still offering you know, the customer a chance to interact with us um, despite all the circumstances. Yeah, we don't talk about that to item 7B. which i have to commend you this is probably going to be the absolute we're just shy of 200 episodes and is by far the most um organized episode that i've ever had um i think well i mean i've I've had a bunch like I've, i've gone through Uh, marketing people for a bunch of places even pr places that will like email me ask me like what i plan on asking 
and yeah. like most of the time I, my response is i don't know i wing it because i literally right, <laughs> right? <laughs> almost always yeah. these are just completely winged because i don't know i i found i found that i just did better if i didn't um have a like a set of things that i i absolutely wanted to hit um so like i think the first person asked me ever was guinness and they were like well we need we, we need a rundown of what you're going to talk about i was like i don't know i don't do that right. <laughs> so, like, i had to hurt like just come up with things i knew i would definitely ask <laughs> yeah <laughs> like so we're hanging with guinness right now no you're further okay. ahead they didn't send me uh an agenda this is even no, better right. i didn't have to, you, you didn't make me think I mean, you, Dude, like, I, I don't want to, don't talk me up too much. I kind of whipped this together in about 15 minutes on Friday afternoon, so, but that, I appreciate everything. That's still more hey, effort than I put into it. <laughs> we do this stuff so often at this point that it's like, you know, um, we love sharing our story at GLBC and right when the pandemic started and we knew we were moving everything to virtual, like within days, I was already thinking in that mode. So like, yeah. You know, you get the stuff down to a bit of a science, and it's second nature. It's great. Stone, Stone also wanted to know a little bit more of what I would talk to before they would let me interview Greg Cook. So it was those huh. two, but um, probably a good idea. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you were the only one nice enough to do the work for me. <laughs> you know, I do what I can. I appreciate that. Yeah. So but let's not constrain the conversation because of that either. Oh, no, so. we won't. Trust me. I'm going to definitely at some point, I'm sure, take us way into off to the left or right. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> you're going to say something that's just going to make me go on a long tangent. That's usually oh, yeah. what happens. <laughs> oh, yeah. So the are your the production facilities that's still operating off of the 30 barrel system? No, or that's it, moved up. Norman, do you want to talk about the big boy? Sure. Uh, no, uh, we actually don't have that 30 barrel system anymore. Um, we, when was it? 2000 then when we moved in there? 98, 99, something like that. Yeah, it was right around, yeah, right around there. Um, we moved actually to the building across the street, which Mike was talking about that it used to be the Schlather. Okay. Um, and then in there we have a 75 barrel system. So, you know, we're running, we have a four vessels. Well, I guess now we have five, it's a five vessel now because it's got, we do have our runoff tank that we go into, but uh, 75 barrel system. We have a three, 225, 300 and 600 barrel fermenters that, and also 300 and 600 barrel bright tanks for everything in there. Um, and up until recently, that's where, well, that that is where everything is brewed um, and it's going to be um everything was brewed and packaged up until recently now we're doing some outside packaging but everything is still brewed on that 75 barrel system so it's it's a quaint little brewery yeah right yeah (laughs) just a little just yeah real real cozy it it's amazing how many uh like well that i'll find out about and i mean i've i've known of great lakes forever because i like as i said earlier like that's one that was the one of the good beers we would drink in the the pittsburgh area um but there's so many like your breweries like you where you have a fairly small footprint because you're how many states are you in 13 yeah so like with maryland it's 14 now oh yeah it's 14 now i've been saying 13 13 in dc for (laughs) you know now it's like oh yeah i can say 14 
14 DC now. Cool. But make a ton of beer in, in, oh, in yeah. just those small footprints. So what, how much bear, what is your yearly barrelage? Uh, I think right around now we're down a little more, but we're still pushing right around 140. Yeah, so yeah. you guys are even bigger than Flying Dog. I, I don't know. How much do they do? I The uh, last number I heard from them was like 120. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. They're top 50. I think we're top, I think we're 23. We're top 25. Yeah, we're, we're top 25. I know that. Yeah, so it, it it's great. Like, to... I mean, that's a huge testament to you guys to be able to sell that much beer in a small footprint and save a ton of money on shipping, I imagine, too, comparatively to breweries that spread that out across the entire nation. Right. And that that will, you know, quality is higher, too, because you're getting product fresher uh, and so on and so forth. I think looking at the top 25, this is definitely not a definitive statement here, but we're almost one i don't think there are many other brewers that have a smaller footprint other than somehow new glaris does all <laughs> beer out of wisconsin and they're like number 16 in the country but that's what well, that's beer right there so are there any other breweries in wisconsin like yeah, yeah right <laughs> they really like beer yeah and and they're i mean the spotted cow that you mentioned earlier uh right Steve is a great beer, but man, that yeah. strawberry rhubarb uh, oh, that they yeah. that beer is just absolutely amazing. Yep, I love all those wild beers they do. Beautiful place too. So, what is um, what is Great Lakes number one? Do they have like a flagship beer that's the number one sales, or is it pretty evenly spread across all of them? So. For us, um, we're maybe a little bit different from a number of other regional brewers where almost depending on w- which market you're looking at, different beers are going to be trending potentially significantly higher than others. So oh, in the home market here in Cleveland, Dortmund or Gold is huge. And you know, that was one of our first two beers. It was the gateway beer for so many Clevelanders for 30 years, still is. But outside of Northeast Ohio, Dortmunder is a lot lower on the list for a lot of our markets. Um, so if you look at, I believe, in the more you know, D.C., Maryland area, a beer like Elliott Ness does a lot better. That was going to be that's my guess. In, um, that's how it is in uh, Pennsylvania, like Pittsburgh. I know Ness is huge like over there and over in chicago it's fits like in, in illinois and that fits does really well over there Fitz does well in a lot of the outer markets because it's so uh you know heralded with with five jbf metals so yeah it's interesting we're a little different um i mean a clevelander would say dortmund or gold for sure but if you're in another market it might be someone else that being said with the way uh craft drinkers are um trending we are shifting the portfolio a little bit, not to neglect the other beers, but let's be real. The craft consumer wants a high quality, differentiated uh, IPAs. And so we've had Commodore Perry IPA for quite a long time, um, but we'll get to it in a second. Uh, we're drinking, some of us at least are drinking Hayes Craft, Hazy IPA right now. That, and then, I saved that for beer number two because I really wanted to have an Oktoberfest. 
Um, because I drank one yesterday and I think it's actually the first time I've had an Oktoberfest from you guys. And I was blown away by how good it is that it's just, I was telling, um, Steve before you hopped on, like it's definitely one of the best Oktoberfests I've ever had. Yeah. It's, it gets high rankings from, you know, like beer advocate, um, so on and so forth. It's personally my favorite beer that we make. Um, also I just have to, I feel like I always bring this can when I have a thing with Foreman, but like gorgeous, gorgeous can. Woo! face on it right there. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the more West Coast style IPA. I know it. I gotta show that off. You know. Is that is that a re- regularly made beer? Yeah. So yep. really IPA and his crab. All three of those are are year round. I'm pretty sure they should all be available down there. I I haven't been really like in a um beer store like just perusing the aisles probably since february sure yeah absolutely yeah it's a little uh, things are a little more concentrated out there on the east coast too so definitely makes sense but maryland's uh my sister's down in for those on the podcast my sister's in baltimore so we're always keeping up keeping track what's 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 happening down there in the good state of maryland so i think we have some amazing stuff down here so yeah you guys should sure. definitely come visit i encourage everyone to Actually, and I took um. Actually, let's take um. Let's take a real quick sponsor break, and we'll get back. And there's a couple other of your beers that I want to touch on real quick that I find interesting about them. Sounds good. Cool. Uncapped is brought to you by one of Frederick's original Maryland craft beer destinations, located off of Urbana Pike, featuring a warm, inviting atmosphere and knowledgeable staff serving up fresh, locally sourced culinary creations and unique craft beers on tap. Open seven days a week, our friends at Roast House Pub invite you to enjoy a casual lunch, happy hour specials, delicious dinners, and specialty desserts. Follow them on social media to keep up to date on their monthly beer dinners, mom's spaghetti dinner battles, and what beer is being featured for Buck Above Monday. Idiom Brewing Company proudly offers a delicious variety of beers to satisfy the most discerning tastes. Best known for their wide array of IPAs, delicious fruited sours, and robust porters and stouts. Idiom has a simple goal in mind, to bring people from all walks of life together, to enjoy themselves and each other. Whether you're a hophead looking for explosively juicy IPAs, or one of the adventurous few looking to try boozy, sour, or complex flavors, or just looking to enjoy classic styles and seasonal favorites, they'll have a little something for you. Idiom Brewing Company is located in downtown Frederick, just south of the intersection of East Street and East Patrick Street, with ample seating directly on Carroll Creek. So I think the first beer I ever had from Great Lakes was uh, Burning River Pale Ale. It, and I would I would venture to guess that's probably a pretty popular one, right? Yeah, it is, yeah. It is a beer. And because um, Pale Ale seemed to be rank pretty high on the the especially large large uh craft breweries yeah it's it's a it's an old school pale though you know it's kind of sierra nevada pale inspired and all that yeah too, so it's got a pretty good story for us too with uh the whole burning river thing i don't know if i want to go down that road but and <laughs> and i had um i had taken uh bjcp judging uh, class like over the course of a few months that basically yeah. just taught me in the end that I had no desire whatsoever to be a BJCP <laughs> judge. Um, but uh, one of four 
uh, Imperial Red Ales, Nosferatu was what they use as the example of that style to teach yeah. people what that beer was. I so think, that was, I think we're, we're in there for Nas. We're in there for. We're in there for, I think we're in there for a couple others. I wouldn't be surprised if like Dormunder, because it's one of the few American breed ones you can get. Yeah, so but I mean, like good. this was years ago in in Maryland that I took it. Like in the the instructor went, I don't, I don't know which state yeah. he drove to, but to get it to, to use oh, as the right. example. Oh, very good. Yeah, because cool. I'm sure you, you guys were actually tasting all the beers too. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Can't be a BJCP judge if you don't taste them all. So. Yeah. Yeah, all I learned was that um, my palate is garbage, and uh, I have no desire to put that much thought into the beer that I'm drinking. Yeah, it, it takes rare breeds. For, Foreman and I are very different in that way. I <laughs> was, was a philosophy major and stuff, so that explains a lot right there. You know? So you do you fall more in the line of uh, the BJCP yeah. way? I'm a... I'm a Cicerone nerd and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. so Steve, are you more along the lines of me where you just like the grunt good or bad after you try it? <laughs> For the most part. Yeah. yeah. You know, that works. Um, you know, I mean, I've been doing this a long time and before, before they had, I could get certified. I had to learn a lot of bad beer, you know, yeah. um, I, I had to drink a lot of bad beer. That was long before you could get a, a title to go with it to know what that uh, those off flavors were coming from. So, you know, I've, I've got sort of yeah, my I, I I don't think I have the best palate, but for what I need to do, it, it works out pretty well. It works for me. <laughs> yep. yeah, I he, uh... make, he he makes the stuff. I just talk about it. So <laughs> I, always defer, I always defer to Foreman. <laughs> well, most of the time, and trust me, most of the time I I hate what it's maybe not maybe hates too much but it's like i'm just never happy it takes a long time where people be like oh wow this is so good i'll be like oh yeah uh cool thanks uh you know like, right, next time i'm gonna do this this and this to it and i think that's really gonna make it work so um how long have you been brewing uh 20 years now i well yeah uh, yeah i guess 20 years professionally so new, then, new to the crew, new to it. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, now I started. Yeah, it had to be like 2002, I guess, is when I started. Um, I started at a small place in California. Um, I grew up in Cleveland. I moved out there, and I actually I knew beer. I knew craft beer, um, and it was all came from where I worked. And there was a, you know, you could only buy really you'd get craft beer at the state liquor stores here. You know, there weren't a lot of like great beer stores. Now I can, now I can walk to convenient and up the corner of the corner store and get a good beer, a good six pack yeah. before it was like, you had to search out to find that stuff. And I was lucky enough to work right next door to one. And I would go in and buy two, two bottles of beer every day after work. And I'd go home and I'd make my black and tans. And that kid said to me that at the, at the cash register, the one day he's like, you really like this crap. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And, and he's like, here, try this. And he started feeding me different IPAs and all these different craft beers. So when I got out to California, I, I knew styles and uh, my interview was they lined up like 12, 13 beers and told me to name the styles. 
and I told them what every single one was and they were like, cool, you want to start uh, cleaning kegs and scrubbing drains? That was it. And from there on, I, I started the next day and read everything I could, you know, learned everything, everything I possibly could. Cause it was a lot harder than too. you know, I didn't have Google to like <laughs> search, search yeah. how to do something, you know, it was like, well, Oh, I found this book, check out this book, you know? And we got everybody, we just kept reading, reading, reading until we could learn as much as we possibly could. I, um, I will give my, myself a little bit of credit. I think I could pick out at least what style beers are if I try them. Right. Maybe. I'm not even saying I definitely can. I'm uh, just saying if maybe. If you pick out style and good or bad, yeah. you're, you're golden. You know, you're perfect. That is, that is all you need right there. But I'm, I'm definitely, I'm not one of those people that can drink something and then rattle off a bunch of like what flavors they're getting. Oh, <laughs> Pineapple, mango. I mean, if if it's complete, if it's that obvious, then most of the time I'll get it right. But (laughs) you know, the the breeze wafting through an open window, something like that. Like this is definitely an IPA. I'm positive. (laughs) (laughs) Fooled you. You're right. It is. Yeah. Yeah. No. Right, so you were bringing a small place out in oh, yeah. California. Right. Where was I? Um, yeah, I was brewing out there, uh, Central Coast Brewing. Um, they're still they're still kicking it. They're still running strong out there um, in San Luis Obispo. Um, and then I moved back. I moved back home to Cleveland, and uh, you know I applied at Great Lakes, and there was nothing open. And so I started. I actually started at Great Lakes as a host in the restaurant because I just needed to get my foot in the door and I never worked at a never worked at a restaurant like a real restaurant in my life um and I was a fantastic host I <laughs> I was born to be a host you know uh, go there <laughs> right yeah go sit down uh, um but yeah and then uh you know it took me a few months and something popped open on the bottling line I went over there and basically asked tons of questions about the machines that I never used before, you know, the fillers, the labelers and all that, and learned, learned how to work all those and slowly work my way up the ranks. Um, I've, I've pretty much done everything at that brewery. Um, it, most departments, uh, the only one that doesn't have an, I officially wasn't an employee of a department would be in the lab. But I mean, when I was in the tank farm, we're doing all the cellar work. I was still doing lab work constantly every day, you know, cell counts and all sorts of stuff every day. Do you think that's helped you like knowing everything else that happens and how it's done after you make it as it oh, goes yeah. through the process that it like to from your angle to to plan forward? Yeah, I, I, I absolutely do. Yeah, it, 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 it really helps knowing what that what that beer is going to go through before it gets to you, you know, especially when I'm thinking recipe formulation and things like that. Have I mean, you, at least for me, I think it does. It helps. Um, have you worked in the production breweries also or if you always stayed at the brew pub? No, I yeah, no, I I've been doing the brew pub thing now for five years, five, six years now, give or take. Um, and before that, I was I've been with Great Lakes for almost 15 years now. So uh, and then the 10 prior to that, I was, you know, bottling line. I did I did packaging for 
less than a year, a couple years in the tank farm, in the cellar, um, and then doing all the yeast pitches and, and uh, filtrations. And then uh, I brewed on that system for about another five years. I brewed on that 75 barrel system over there. So is your job kind of a, an envious position there? Because I've heard from at least brewers at other really large production breweries that it it's kind of, it can get very boring just right. shift brewing on that huge of a system. But I'm guessing yeah. you probably have a lot more ability to play around when you're not making stuff at 75 barrels a clip. Right. Yeah. I mean, and it is, you know, I'm, I'm lucky. I, I am lucky to have the, the position I have. I get to, yeah, I get to have fun and I, I, I feel the shift brewers, you know, I've done it. And when you're on your 240th batch of Christmas ale for the season, <laughs> and you know, you still have a hundred more batches to go before you're yeah. done. You know, I, I, there's, I've been scarred. Yeah, I, I can honestly say I'm scarred from brewing things on production wise. Uh, it took me a long time to get back on with honey. It took me a long time before I could use it or even smell it. Cinnamon, I'm still not, I'm still not good with cinnamon. Um, you know, I mean, we're spending when we make our Christmas ale. It's you know, I mean. There's a 55 gallon drum. There's like 500 pounds of honey in in every single batch. So it's like, and you're we've got these heat bands around it. So you've got these drums of honey just steaming up on you that you're pumping in there, and then you're <laughs> dumping out. You're dumping uh, buckets full of cinnamon sticks, and the cinnamon dust is like you're just coming home stinking. And it's like the one time a year I would come home from work and I'd stink, but it wasn't like a bad stink. I smelled like a cookie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to guess like working with that much honey, no matter how careful you are doing everything, I'm guessing it, it still ends up being a sticky mess. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's, <laughs> you're always going to find it. You know, I'd always find it like on my forearm after <laughs> work, like taking a shower and being like, Oh my God, I just like, caked with the, yeah, just dirt and goo in stuck in this honey. I always thought that I would, you know, at one point in my career, I was working in, in the restaurant. Best place to start in the brewery, if you have a tap room, is to start in the tap room or the restaurant. Uh, I would argue that some of the best people in the company started in such positions, like foreman. <laughs> um, so I was, I was a busser. I got into serving, and I was like, okay, I like talking about beer and um, brewing and stuff like that. It's like, oh, you know, see the guys over in the brewery, and like, that looks cool. And I started giving tours, uh, and I would, you know, we'd go into the brew house and depending on, on the shift, you know, what time it was and you see the, the brewer just like, like that. I'm like, nah, I don't, I don't think I want to do that for all. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up going down the sales and marketing route instead, but obviously, <laughs> yeah. Um, those guys are doing amazing work for us over there, especially, I don't know, farming, you could probably describe it a little bit better, but like there's still a good amount of manual stuff in that system and it was set up in the late nineties. So oh, yeah. dunking 20 pounds each of cinnamon and ginger in these 75 barrel tanks via this pulley system. And yeah, our cranes. Yeah. And, I mean, oh, yeah, so it's, it's not like, um, like if you go to Trogues where a point and click. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. that was, I yeah. think, I think Trogues was the first brewery I ever toured that was like that where they showed you pretty much just like, load a recipe and then click run and it just yeah. does it. Oh, 
Yeah, no, uh, that'd be crazy. Yeah, we don't we don't have that. We're still, you know, uh, we basically have that for our two row for our base malt. Mm-hmm. Um, we can set the weight on the scale and hit start, and that'll go on its own. But all our specialty malt, those guys, every bag gets lifted into the hopper, cut open, dumped in by hand for it to go through the mill. Um, same with our hops, you know, hops are weighed out on a scale uh, in five gallon buckets and we line them all up and, you know, you better yeah, be they, watching that clock. They still have to like there's uh, chutes um, build like they're like the clear tubes. Those get filled with the hops. And then depending on when the additions are and stuff, it just runs through and adds it all. It when it's... Man, that'd be nice. Clean, coming home clean yeah. and not sore, you know, not that tired. Well, yeah, That's I mean, I mean, I imagine like what you're working on is probably a hundred percent manual, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've got a, I've got a, a drive for my pump to, to adjust the speed. Um, <laughs> other than that. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's all. It's 100% manual. Steam like, valves, I crack them, I get them to where I want them. Yeah. Yep. That's why. That's why you're ripped on the can, man. Right? I know, man. <laughs> they, took my belly, they took my belly and put it on my chest. They took my thighs <laughs> and put them as my bicep. He's boom. Wait, can you can you hold that can up again? I looked for it on the website. Yeah. I couldn't find it. I just want to. I still can't. Tw- Do they give his mustache the proper? Uh, credit it deserves on the can. Can't he's quite... got the beard there. He's yeah. Because <laughs> it, 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 it is. The there. It's an impressive mustache. Thank you, sir. See, <laughs> see, guys. Talking to my kids now. He gets it. <laughs> so who who are the other two gentlemen on that can? So uh, <laughs> there are. Farmer. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's cut off a little bit, so. Um, Zoom in a little bit. Oh, yeah, that is not a gentleman. Sorry, uh, yeah. Lisa. <laughs> Lisa, <laughs> uh, she's our southern region manager. She's awesome for sales. Uh, Rob, the man, the myth, the legend, is the dude with the uh, little flask right there. He is our first shift lab guy. Lee is hanging there in the corner. Um, she is one of our bartenders. Um, a couple other employees are on there, too. The label, you know, it gets cut off a little bit because of the, um, the swoops here, but we ended up having people from back of house, from packaging, and from keg, or both bottling and kegging on on the label too. So, That's pretty cool. So, so tribute. To, we just became a, an employee stock ownership company in 2018. So, and that beer we were R and Ding that beer at that time. So we thought it would be kind of a cool tribute to that whole ESOP culture we have here. That was I. I don't know how. Um, well, I guess I was pre entering Maryland, so it wouldn't have really been big news entered here. I, I didn't realize that um, you guys were also an ESOP, yep. which well, still, which still confuses me um, how that works, but yeah, me too. it seems really cool. <laughs> we're learning. Yeah. Right? Hey, I, I just got some, we just got some shares. We got uh what last year's uh, yep. evaluation and shares the other day. So we get a little bit, we get a few shares every year. So yeah. the longer you've been there, the more shares you started out with, and then it's based on what? Based on your salary and, salary and how long, you've been, and how long you've been there, and you get a percentage, and then you get X amount of shares each year valued at whatever our valuation was. So 
I think different companies work differently, but the way that the Conway has set this up is that it's basically like an addition to your retirement plan. So okay. you get these shares and then once you retire or if you leave for another reason after you're vested, then you get paid out. Um, but what is cool about our ESOP is that... Wait, wait, real quick though, because I, I have yeah. a feeling I'm going to ask a bunch of questions about all this and talk about it for yeah. a while. So let's take a real oh. quick sponsor break and then yeah. when we get back, I want to talk more about ESOPs because... I, I think it's just because I'm stupid and I can't wrap my mind around. <laughs> You're not the only one here. You're works. not the only one here. <laughs> uh, so we will be right back. The NCAP podcast is brought to you by District East. A lot of Friday and Saturday afternoons, you'll find me at District East for their weekly beer tastings. District East is part of the local beer community and they get limited releases and exclusive beers that are hard to find anyplace else. This is why I chose District East for the release of my collaboration beers. One of my favorite things to do at District East is building a custom six-pack. With over 900 beers on their shelves and new beers every week, District East is a great place to find beers I love and to discover new and hard-to-find ones. They also have eight beers on tap for Crowler and Growler fills, and they have kegs to go. District East is located on Northeast Street in Frederick, in the same shopping center as Family Mill and Rockwell Brewery. You can find today's beers lists on the District East Facebook page or at www.districteast.beer. I'm excited to announce our newest sponsor, Vanish Farmwoods Brewery. Vanish is a brewery and entertainment complex located on a 62-acre hops and apple farm in Luckett's, Virginia, just 20 minutes from Frederick, Maryland and Leesburg, Virginia. With over 20 beers on tap, a selection of wines and ciders, along with multiple food options, there is something for everyone. Vanish has live music on Saturdays and Sundays and a wide variety of special events. Go to vanishbeer.com for information on everything they have to offer. So I actually, I had, I got to interview Dan Canary from Harpoon. It was like shortly after they bought uh, Clown Shoes or Merged. I can't remember what that one was called. Um, And we talked a lot about Harpoon becoming an ESOP. And I probably should have grilled him more, but I don't know. It felt weird. Um, talking to some guy a bit, and it was really early on when I started to do this. So I was just dumbfounded that Dan Canary was willing to talk to me. Um, and cause he kept requ- like referring to it as a liquidity event. And it was, <laughs> it, it was That's all, we're starting, to go, we're starting to lose all of us. at that point. Yeah. Right. And, and there, the reasoning for them to become an ESOP was that one of the founders was this, I don't think it was a brother or just a friend of like one of the people who founded Harpoon wanted out yeah. and they didn't want to sell. So they became an ESOP. So I'm guessing it means like it's financed from a bank. Cause he kept, he kept mentioning like bank financing somehow. Yeah. So like, there's like different ways uh, to do it. Ones where it's almost like the, the owners would, uh, the, the company would take on a loan to buy out the owners. Okay. But Pat and Dan didn't want to do it that way. They didn't want to have to take us like to take on that debt. I so think, it, and I think that may have been how Harpoon did it. Okay. They did it just to be able to buy out the one guy and then distribute shares. shares. Cause I think they yeah. actually like all the owners were bought out at that point. They probably still retained some shares, but right. Yeah, that's essentially what um, Pat and Dan did. Um, 
So they awesome. didn't do it with taking on debt. How did they do it? Correct. You know? So they're basically, my understanding is, you know, they're basically giving some of their own wealth back to us. Right. Okay. Um, but shows, you know, they've, those two guys have always been extremely down to earth. Um, you know, this kind of, what's Pat, like early seventies, Dan's upper fifties and something. So they're not as, as young as they once were when they founded the company, but like throughout all 30 years, I'm told of course, for the first, uh, um, 20 years of the company, I've been around for eight years, but like they've always been around in the brew pub, even long after they've been in active like management roles, we've had, um, kind of, you know, an executive board at Great Lakes, uh, a CEO, Mark King, who just came on last October, about a year ago, um, CFO, you know, VP of sales, marketing director, all that stuff. Um, but Penn and Dan didn't just like kind of go off into the shadows at that point. They're still uh, involved with the company to a certain extent. They still come by and have beers, a little different now, obviously with the, the pandemic, but we still see them every once in a while. So, um, it just made a lot of sense for them to do the ESOP that way because they know they're not going to be around forever. Um, and so just to have this plan in place to kind of gradually over time transition ownership of the company from their own wealth to, you know, uh, the employees is pretty awesome. How that exactly works, right? <laughs> Yeah, Bob sent uh, our CFO on the phone, but that's, that's, <laughs> what, yeah. that's what I, I was, I, I just, that's what I don't understand. Cause like the money obviously has to like come from somewhere because he like, right. I mean, he kept referring to it as a liquidity event. And I think in it, yeah. like one point, even in the interview and he's like, don't worry about me. I am definitely got my money. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, I think it's, what might have been different for them is they, it may have been an immediate transition as opposed to us where it's gradual over time. Yeah, there's, like, I think theirs was like the overnight. Yeah. It went from uh, yeah. privately owned to an ESOP. We're just setting stuff up for the inevitable future that, you know, okay. eventually it'll be just us running the show. So, Do they have um, children that are, like, is it, are other people in the family still involved with the brewery or was... We have one, yeah. right, Emmett? For sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's he does sales up here in Cleveland. He was doing them out in Chicago when he was living out there, and then he moved back here with his wife. And now he does some stuff in uh, the the Cleveland area. Um, but other than that, there's what no other. Am I am I forgetting anybody, Mike? <laughs> in the company, no. Dan's daughters are all kind of like just graduating college, or like not that long yeah. out of college. So you never know. Um, but I think, I don't know, even to have one who's like, and Emmett's awesome. He's not, yeah, you know, right. he's not, oh, I'm the heir. And stuff. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> Emmett, Emmett used to come back from school, like, and shoot, he might have still been in high school and he'd bust tables for the summer yeah. at the restaurant. Yeah. And man, we would just bust that poor kid's ball so bad <laughs> all summer long. You yeah, know? sometimes was, being the boss's kid doesn't yeah. help. No, <laughs> yeah. right? No, but that was just it, you know. If we didn't like the kid, we wouldn't even have talked to him, yeah. you know. So obviously we liked him because we were, you know, messing with the poor guy. But yeah. I mean, that's awesome that they did go the ESOP route because I'm sure um, Great Lakes would be an attractive um, acquisition to a large conglomerate. To, well, to I know add. there have been offers, I know, in the past. Yeah. Um, I don't know by who, 
Yeah. But Pat and Dan were like, nope. Yeah, there's no way, you know. So it, it worked out really well for us. And cause I, and I'm sure that the, like, this is one of the routes I went to protect, protect it from that happening. Um, right. and cause I remember him saying like, that's, that's one of the reasons Harpoon did it too, is that it protects the company from a, a buyout like that. Yep. And nothing's ever set in stone. Well, it's, yeah, there's, yeah, I'm sure you know, there are ways to, yeah, it's highly, highly unlikely. It was definitely the statement move to say, you know, we're committed to independence. So. Yeah. That's really cool, and it gives I mean the individual employees more of a um, stake in the future of the company. Yeah. You care more when you're one of the owners. Absolutely. In theory, I think that's what the they say. Yeah, we're and we're building up the the culture, the ESAP culture here. So yeah, what, what, was there any kind of like a transition or like uh, like any kind of um. I don't know what to say, like a concerted effort to do anything differently when it happened or was, or was it just like a, Oh, cool. Well, um, this happened now. Okay. Let's just keep doing our jobs. Basically. So, <laughs> yeah. Like it was, uh, we would have like a series of monthly meetings updating on company objectives and stuff. And we'd always have some education and training involved with that. Um, and I think they were planning on focusing on it more. And then the pandemic has kind of, you know, derailed focus on that a yeah. little bit because you don't have people all together uh, nearly as much as we used to. So, but we just, we had an all staff meeting last week and we were talking about that kind of thing. And I always like with my educational stuff, um, I run tons of, in addition to the public stuff, I run tons of uh, internal staff trainings. And I've been focusing more and more on not just like, I mean, it's essential for our staff to know the brewing process and beer styles, sensory, specifically, especially what our beers are supposed to taste like and so on. But for an ESOP company to kind of own that ownership mentality, like you have to know what's going on out in the beer world. What are the trends in the market? Um, what brands are really hot right now and all that kind of stuff. And so that's something that we've been trying to bring to the table more and more for our staff. And the classes are uh, open to everybody. It doesn't matter if you're bottling line, um, server, uh, VP of sales, whoever, people from all over the company attend these classes, which are of course via Zoom now. Um, so I'll talk about like, we did a lot of education on, on Hayescraft, obviously over the last month, because it's, it's such a huge release for us, but I didn't just talk about, you know, what makes a hazy IPA, what it is, uh, you know, juicy Foreman's favorite, uh, sensory descriptor <laughs> and so on and so forth. Um, but also like, why are we doing a hazy IPA? Why might, why are we going to do a lot more IPAs? Why are we going to come out with some of these other styles? So, you know, looking at trends that are going on out in the beer world and responding to them. So, um, that's another thing that kind of ties into the, the ESAP culture that we're building up at GLBC. Okay. Um, I think, well, so mentioning trends, we're going to be a little out of order uh, from your, your, I'll uh, accept it. I'll accept <laughs> um, I, and because I, I'm almost finished drinking mine, um, we should talk about Hayes craft because this, yeah. this is a really, really good beer. Thanks. Yeah. I've, I'm especially enjoying this can right now. You know, yeah, like we were sold out at the gift shop, so I'm the only person uh, here not drinking it right now. 
<laughs> well, I've, it's, never seen a, I've never seen our gift shop sold out of like a year round before. Um, well, it's yeah. tasting oh, really yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's all right. I had I had a few of them yesterday and the day before. So. <laughs> I think we've tasted and talked about this beer so much over the past six weeks that it's kind of like I dream about it. You know, it's like <laughs> there it is. There's the honeydew melon and all, all that stuff. So. So uh, when when you're developing a beer that's going to become one of your year rounds, is that done in the brew pub or is that done on another system? So it used to be in the brew pub on the seven barrel. Um, but now, uh, so what, we're coming on a year and a half. It was, yeah, we actually bought a two barrel system or vessel two barrel system that mimics our 75 barrel system. And it's right okay. up there in our main brew house. Um, so now it's nice because, you know, I can just pump through. I'm not stuck with 14 kegs or something. You know, I've got maybe three kegs at best. Um, so and we can just pump through these beers like I can make. I'm working on something for next year right now. And I think I'm on version seven of it right now. Um, and, you know, at one point we had three different versions in the tank at the same time. So um, it's not as crazy as it used to be for developing them on that pub system. And that was because then it would be like, OK, and then I'd be holding off on putting a beer on tap like because I was waiting for the first version of it to drain, like to sell out. Um, but yeah, that, that our two barrel system has made R&D a lot easier than it's ever been. So do you, is that you primarily brewing on that also, or is there um, several I, people designated to work on? Pretty work? much. Well, I do a majority of them on the two barrel, but then we also have, uh, there are certain days of the week where our, our shift, our production brewers, their shifts overlap. Um, like our weekend guys, they'll do 12 hour shifts on the weekends, but then they'll pick up two eight hour days to make up for their hours. So sometimes when there are two brewers on, we don't need two brewers doing the 75 barrel batch at the same time. Somebody else, if we have an open tank, somebody else will brew whatever recipes next on, uh, whatever's next on deck for okay. the two barrel. So I'm assuming Hayescraft started out on that two barrel system. Um, or, or was that even earlier in development well, it, it, well, before you had it? You know, it, it was, I was making, I was screwing around on my own on the seven barrel and made a few, the earlier versions. And I was really just messing around with grain bills and that for hazies, um, seeing as figuring out what I liked. Um, and then, but when Hayescraft was decided we were going to do it, that's, yeah, we did go straight to, um, the two barrel and there were a couple different versions um grain bills always stayed the same on that uh well we did play with the wheats a little bit and the oats but for the most part it was always different hops until we found what combination that we really liked and this is where we ended um so is this based on those original recipes of messing around you messing around on the seven barrel yeah oh yeah okay. definitely yeah so th is this is your recipe then, more? Yeah. More. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm glad I did 
uh, like it. And yeah, uh, <laughs> trust me, I if you don't like it, like that's the worst thing somebody can do is if they don't like it, be like, oh yeah, that's good. Like, don't tell me because you know oh. I'm like the the criticism makes me a better brewer because then I'll look at what they're saying they don't like about it, and I'll be like, oh yeah, I see what they're saying, and that. Maybe I'll stop liking it all of a sudden. But, you know, when somebody just tells me, oh, I hate that beer. Well, why do you hate that beer? Because I don't like IPAs. Uh, well, that's, right. not, that's yeah, not that's, a good excuse. Yeah, that's yeah. not constructive uh, right. feedback. <laughs> that's, that's part of the beauty of having that two-barrel pilot system, especially for these really important launches for us that are year-round beers and competitive categories, is that in the past, I mean, Foreman, you would do what, like, uh, one test batch or two maybe there, there have been a few yeah my goodness like such a so much at stake like business-wise for these brands so like to have that two-barrel system and for the team to be able to pump out at least half a dozen brews first of all it's just really important shows the commitment to quality and then two for a lucky duck like me who again you know i'm in the beer world uh, i know my sensory and stuff I don't have to sweat over a boiling kettle for yeah. 60 minutes or anything like that. So I get to just saunter around down to the pub because our, our offices are right above the brew pub. Okay. Uh, and I get to be the one who tells Foreman when his beers aren't as good as they should be. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a beautiful, but it really, for both this beer and the one with his face on it, really Lakes IPA, uh, both of those beers I got to saw from kind of an objective standpoint as a customer, really like buying these beers after work, how good these beers got over the course of, you know, three or four or five months. Like it's really hard. It doesn't matter how good of a brewer you are to just whip up a hazy IPA recipe out of nowhere when we really haven't brewed too many of them before and then put it straight into a can like that doesn't happen. So um, it was really cool to see these beers get better and better over time. And when that last test batch of Hazecraft was was on tap in the pub in like June or something like that, we kind of knew like we had nailed it. Um, and I at least was super happy with it. Foreman is never happy with his beers, so I don't know. Are any brewers though? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's how it should be. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, well, I think anyone who uh, creates something is rarely satisfied or happy with what they've they've done right mm -hmm. you yeah. always you, like because well you're so much more intimately aware of what it is that you can see every tiny detail that you aren't completely happy with whereas someone else trying it and enjoying it isn't looking for all those little faults that you perceive that's right yeah i mean that's exactly it it's Somebody loves that, that. That's the thing. There are times where I've hated these beers and people are like, oh, my God, this is so good. And I was like, OK, cool, cool. Um, a horrible taste. You know? Yeah, right. And then I'm like, then I have to go back and like second guess myself because I'm like, it's good. But I know if I do this or this, it'll be great, you know, and it, I, I think it usually takes me by the third batch. I'm. I usually am dialing things in by then. Like, I feel like three's my magic number. By the time I get to that third batch, it's pretty damn close to me being happy at least. Yeah. Um, so comparatively to, actually I've drank a lot of it, so it's hard to show. 
um, the like what a nano brewery would call a hazy IPA. It's very different looking. Is that but the taste is very similar. Um, right. Is, is that a function of needing a shelf stable, distributable beer? Or um, no, not or is not it so much. Just the uh, way you, it's designed. Yeah, you know, I mean, I said it years ago in an interview. It's like I'm, I I wasn't trying to make a New England, you know, some murky and yeah. muddy with this, um, you know. And that's when people are like, "Well, what do you think about these New Englands, these hazies?" And I'm like, "Well, do you mean a hazy IPA or a New England IPA?" And I I still. I still cut the two into separate categories. Um, it's a personal thing. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I mean, it's hazy. I don't want super, uh, like, I don't want it to be a big yeast bomb, you know. Um, I want there to be a nice protein haze in there. Um, you're not going to be able to see through it, but I don't want it to be just this murky mud, yeah. like it's the end of a tank finishing off. Well, no I hot, no hot particulate in there. Yeah. I can't um I can't remember at all where I read it. Um but it was like a very seasoned brewer railing on New England IPAs and hazy IPAs that there's no reason to make a beer look that way that you can create all those flavors and do everything and still have a crystal clear beer. Um and I think that's what's happening with a lot of the very large breweries that you're you're still getting that juiciness and everything else, but yep. it's not like what you said, murky. Yeah. Right? There's something I read and farm might know this a little bit better than me, but like there is a certain point when you're hopping. So like hallmark of a new England IPA for thinking about the, the classic stuff that's made by Hill farmstead and alchemist and triage and trillium and all that. It's got that, I mean, this is still momentum has gone now. It's hard to tell, but that's it was. I held it up a lot. You guys saw it. It was hazy. Like it is not a clear beer, but it's not as like doesn't have that straight up opaqueness that those beers do. But those beers are also hopped and like other, especially the small tap rooms, as Chris you were bringing up. Like they can afford to dry hop these beers at like five six seven pounds per barrel you know but like when you're on a scale of a 75 barrel system like you just don't brewers you don't do that and you don't have to do that there we um, go that's a better way to show it like, yeah there you go yeah it's got it's it's it's, it's hazy but it's not straight up opaque or yeah. murky um and i think you see part of what's key is think about this beer compared to like uh, like Bell's Official or um, He's a Little Thing and beers like that. Not necessarily the $22 four-pack of Tall Boys you get down the street, which are awesome beers too. But, yeah. like, those guys can afford to f- throw all the galaxy they want into those beers um, and uh, make it work, whereas if you're putting your beer on store shelves for $9.99 in 14 states, you know, you have to work within a certain realm. Yeah, that's but what I was going to say. I don't know how much a uh, six-pack of um... – because Hayescraft sold as six packs, right? Yep. Um, six pack, twelve ounce cans. Yep. And I'm it, and it's nowhere the price of a four pack, so it definitely has to be made <laughs> differently. Yep. Right. And there's a certain point where, like, the like the the liquid's oversaturated. Like, you're not actually getting that much more hop flavor and aroma. Yeah. Like you're dry hopping at that higher rate. 
Um, so we just don't use as many hops. <laughs> so we don't have quite as much haze. But there's still tons of juicy tropical oh, fruit. Oh, 100%. Like, it is a... Yeah. You know, it's one of the few um, hazy IPAs where you could say it hits all those flavors and you could still say it's refreshing. Like, yeah. it doesn't... Um, like, you could you could burn easily through a whole six pack of this. At least I definitely could. Oh exactly. yeah. Yeah. I, like, I, I, guilty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Exactly. I've never done that before. Right. Yeah. I love those, like those super thick hazies, but I'm usually one and done maybe two with those, uh, over the course of a night, but is craft. It's the happy medium type thing, yeah. which is what you tend to see for a larger producer. It's still hazy. It's still juicy, but it, it's not overwhelming on mouthfeel. You can still knock it back. Um, so I had told you guys that we would, I would only keep you for an hour. Do you have more time? Can we keep going? Or do you have things you... Yeah, I'm good. Cool. I was going to ask because I'm out of beer, so it's time Yeah, to- so am I. So why don't we take... Um, <laughs> thankfully, I we just bumped up a sponsor spot from the end to a third sponsor break. Uh, let's take... Um, real quick break because i also i've i want to refill too um so we'll refill and then we can continue our conversation now sounds good we'll be right back uncapped is brought to you with support from mcclintock distilling maryland's first and only organic certified distillery they are well known for their award-winning gin and are rapidly growing a name for themselves for their matchstick bourbon and bootjack rye whiskey that have both won double gold at international spirits competitions. You can visit them in historic downtown Frederick along Carroll Creek for tours and tastings. Go to McClintockDistilling.com for more information. All right. Um, unfortunately, didn't have any other Great Lakes beer cold. I drank... I started drinking some last night, and I had way more than I intended to. Beautiful <laughs> day. It, it was beautiful. I was outside grilling, and yeah. it was just one of those days where they were going down so smooth, and I just kept going. So right. I, it was the last hurrah of summer yesterday. Right. I think it's, uh, it's all downhill from here. So I, I had some beers too. Don't worry. Yeah, I'm like that's what happened to the haze craft I had at my house. Right there, you go. And then Steve was making me feel jealous, so he kept showing a can of beer with his face on it, so I had to <laughs> run and grab mine with my face on it. Oh, nice. Look at that. Beautiful. Who made that? Uh, Full Tilt Brewing in Baltimore. Cool. Very nice. All right. Is um, two oh. people with faces on their cans. Right? Look at that. Jealous <laughs> now, aren't you, kid? So I actually I get... I'm even more jealous. I actually, I, the, uh, is that one brewery? What the heck was their name in D.C. there? Right by the ball field. Um, it's like Thunderdome. Blue Jacket? No, it's, no, 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 no. It's sort of by there. They're in just, they're outdoor. Everything's outside. It's um, it's like what I a picture a post-apocalyptic brewery being. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Oh my God! It's right there in DC. Um, oh, I begins with a B. It's something weird. I don't know. I was we were at a ball game there when um, CBC was in DC. What three years ago? Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so we went, we went and saw a baseball game and, um, my buddy Joel, who used to work for us, and now he has his own brewery on the east side of Cleveland. He uh, he and I were leaning over like the upper deck bar there, and I'm like, "Man, doesn't that look like fermenters and a, a kettle over there?" So we started walking that way when we got out of the park, and there's some crazy, like surrounded by shipping containers. We had to go through this weird barbed wire fence and. Then next thing you know, we're standing in this gravel pit filled with fermenters <laughs> and bright tanks outside. I have no uh, idea who that Bardo, is. Bardo. Their name's Bardo. Oh, someone someone actually just I, I don't know anything about them, but someone yeah, con it, it's Thunderdome. It's Thunderdome. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's funny that you brought them up though, because someone just recently told me I needed to interview them because they're super interesting. And I'm guessing yeah, it's, it's because it's a thunderdome <laughs> yeah it's, i mean i don't know what it is now but it, it i've never seen anything like it before or since you know um i they had a bunch of automation on this thing too they made their own like programming so they could run it from home on their phones and stuff and i'm like it's all yeah it's all just like mishmash puzzled put together system too and it's outdoors know? yeah when i was there everything was outdoors that's crazy no what? cover no nothing man nothing it, it, it's nuts their coolers are like where their uh some of the brights were are just shipping containers that they converted into giant walk-in coolers um yeah it's nuts <laughs> it's, it's nuts so i think i might know where that is because like is it right outside of the stadium yeah it's pretty close and they were building condos like new condos right next door yes and so i was in that area because it's been that like it's just a big surrounded by shipping containers yep. like all the walls of a big area um, yeah. but when I was there, it was just like, that's where the bars, there were some bars and stuff like that. So I guess they added a brewery to it also. Cause it's been, it's been several years since I went to, um, a nationals game. Yeah. Huh. It, it's crazy. Uh, check it out. You're right there, man. It's, it's, if it's what it was three years ago, it's nuts. Cause I mean, I was even like, well, what are you going to do in the winter? And the one brother was like, oh, we just shut down. <laughs> okay cool so, yeah, i mean like it's we don't have a climate that's conducive to <laughs> an outdoor brewery, yeah. right? i mean maryland goes like from miserably hot to miserably cold in a two-week time frame there's only like maybe a month total of the year that it's comfortable right <laughs> <laughs> yeah you guys get more humidity than we do and we already got enough that's huh yeah i gotta check them out <laughs> i don't know i don't know how they don't have more of a um like more hype around them in this area by yeah. like how interesting <laughs> it, it sounds it, it's crazy was yeah. the beer good I, maybe that's the problem like that up here. Yeah. I, I don't remember the beer <laughs> i mean it wasn't bad but i don't remember it i mean i remember outside i'm expecting a couple like rabid dogs to come out from around the corner and get me, <laughs> you know it, it, it's by far by far the coolest brewery i've ever seen i guess and now i gotta go check that out yeah all right so what um 
or something we fully intended to talk about when we came back and now I don't remember what it was. What were we talking about beforehand? Oh man. It's uh, tough. Hayescraft, Hayescraft. It was Hayescraft. Yeah. I had a specific question though. I should have wrote that down. Um, so okay, I guess it, it we can lead into um, the. It, this is a very different package than yeah, um, right. anything else. That oh, look how good that. Turned. I usually have so much trouble getting the, the uh, camera to focus on anything I hold up. Um, it's a very different package and art than pretty much everything else that Great Lakes do does. Uh, is this a trend that you're headed towards or is it because of this specific beer? It's, uh, yeah, from both for the actual literal package form of the can and then the label art itself and even the name to a certain extent, it's definitely an evolution. It's a good way to say of, uh, where we're heading as a brewery. Um, you know, historically our beers are very Cleveland rooted slash great lakes rooted, but a lot of the stories and names come from the city of Cleveland and it's still essential to our identity. Absolutely. A hundred percent. But uh, we also sell beer in 13 other states and uh, D.C. And so it's important to have uh, beers that are a little bit more of a wide appeal. So um, and also uh, the the colors that are on the can pop out a lot more. So if you're familiar with our older packaging, um, some in the company have referred to the older packaging as the black hole because it's like this much big black and white Great Lakes. And then there's like, oh, look, there's a cute little picture right here. Um, and they have to kind of squint to see what it is and everything. So even that, that's like our first evolution from 2015. Still a lot of black and white on the label right there. Yeah. And at 2015, in 2015, that was that did the job for us. Um, the the refresh we did in 2015 really united all the labels with a single artist that we were using at the time. Um, but now, I mean, think about everything that's out there, whether it's on a literal store shelf or coming from the small tap room, it is cans that have bright either. Well, one of two things, it's either extremely minimalist where it's like, you know, just the, the white background with a couple striped colors or something like that. Or what you see more frequently is, really cool artwork that um, takes up the entirety of the can and it's just popping with bright colors to really grab your attention off the shelf. So that's definitely a, an intentional move we did with Hayescraft for this particular can. Um, and there's still some connections to Ohio, you know, like it's got the rocket ship on it. Um, we've had 25 astronauts hail from the state of Ohio, I believe seven or eight from Cleveland specifically, but also it's just like the image, you know, there are 8,000 breweries in the country right now. Um, and people love to try a lot of beers and, you know, you might get this beer from great lakes that you really like this <coughs> new hazy IPA that came out. What was it? Called? I can't, and of course it's probably gonna say haze in the name, but like you see that rocket ship and you're like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that one. Um, it's a really distinctive image. There's kind of like even a flavor cue on the label itself where it's kind of got this green and, I don't know, pinkish orange to it. 
And with this beer, I think about like honeydew melon and cantaloupe a lot. And these colors just kind of evoke those yeah. fruity melon type flavors. So you're going to see a lot more um, artwork from us. We have a lot of new stuff coming up next year. It's, the artwork's going to look a lot more like that. And it's going to be a lot more in cans um, than it has in the past. Oh, yeah. So are you going to um, transition to cans or just add more and more canning to? Um, yeah. A little bit of both, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, some beers are going to have both package options. Others are going to switch transition completely to cans. Um, you know, there's a few beers that sort of, for at least for now, need need a bottle, you know, um, cans will be cool, but you know, fits, fits in a bottle. I'd like a lot more than fits in a can. I think personally, why is that? Um, same with our porter. Yeah. And then same with our Christmas ale. Um, that one, you know, everybody knows it in, in bottles and it, it, first time I try that in a can, it'll be weird. <laughs> it, it will be strange. I, I mean, I've, over these years, I've sucked down a lot of bottles of all our beers, but any of them would do in a can for me, except, you know, that just something about Christmas, Christmas time, bottles of Christmas ale, you know, it's, I don't know, it goes hand in hand. So when I'm going to be sitting there <laughs> holding this can, yeah, if it comes in cans. Nothing's ever out of the question, though. I know, right? <laughs> so, but, I mean, we'll see how they do, you know. I mean, yeah. cans are... A little easier, a little cheaper to produce. It's, I mean, oh, you can't get them it, now. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you can't get glass now either, though. Oh, really? I didn't realize there was a glass shortage yeah, too. I think it's coming back. I think they okay. said by like mid to late October, everything should be cool. But no, we've uh, we've been buying trucks of glass from wherever we can get it from. We just had two guys drive up a truck from Mexico. Wow. With some bottles <laughs> because it, yeah, it was uh, the only place to source yeah. them. Yeah, our, our glass, our supplier, uh, they're like, yeah, it's going to be tight. It's going to be really tight until October. And um, so not too long, not too crazy. But, you know, I mean, I've been, I've wanted us to be in cans for, God, 10 years. I, I Cans have always been my preferred package. Um, from a, yeah, um, like a packaging stability standpoint or? No, from a drinker standpoint. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> I don't got to worry about crashing on my bike and cutting myself if I uh, if yeah. I've got so a bag full of cans. Yeah. You know, and, and a few beers in. A lot lighter. Right. Exactly. You know, and that was the thing. Carry I mean, everything. Yeah. yeah. My fridge better. Yeah. Yeah. They absolutely do. More beer. Yeah. I'm like I run. I can't stack bottles. Nope. So is um. Is it all going to be 12 ounce cans or will you do larger format ones also? No, we'll do larger format as well. Yeah. So we've got a, we actually have our own canning line now. Okay. Um, it's coming in. We've been like for the Hayes craft and the great lakes IPA the, and the Dortmund are the cans we've been doing. We have 180 barrel uh, tankers and we've been tanking them up to Detroit and <laughs> had a contract packager for us. Um, and it's worked out great. It's, I mean, it tastes great. Yeah, it tastes great. And that was, that was my main concern where our, 
our dissolved our do levels our dissolved oxygen levels were my biggest concern like i was yeah. probably i was a real pain in the ass for some people <laughs> like setting it up because i was the one like what about our do's what about our do's? you know just uh, being the little nerd about it um but you know i mean it's a legitimate concern and we we dialed it in everything worked out good and the the beer's holding up great in the packaging so um you know thank god for that but we uh yeah we have our own we're still going to be using our tankers but we have uh, our own uh packaging line which i think our own canning line at we bought a warehouse in strongsville ohio which is 10 15 miles south of the brewery um so tons of space. We've got like a, what, a 13,000 foot, a square foot uh, cooler in the middle of the warehouse there. And then we have our canning line set up there and we've got four or five bright tanks over there. Um, so we're just gonna be sending everything, you know, 10, 15 minutes up the road and packaging it off. And I think we come online in, shoot, next week, I think we're ready. Yeah, next week or the week after they're gonna Yeah, is it like the sixth or the seventh? I think is when we're yeah. gonna go online. Yeah, oh, that's so. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it'll be real cool. And yeah. I, w- I would imagine that there are probably a lot of longtime Great Lakes Brewing drinkers that would just reject if you completely replace the bottles. Right. That, I mean, that, that are that's convinced that it's not good out of a can. Right. Yeah. That, that it's. I've gotten calls. Like really? before, yeah, definitely. Yeah, like the beers that we're keeping in bottles for sure are definitely like beers that have been around for a long time. Uh, Dormund or Commodore Perry and Fitz, like Farmer, I mentioned. Um, and then like the beers that are going to be can only are, are beers that like new drinkers to Great Lakes are the are going to be the main audience for them, anyways, yeah. for the most part. So, um, right, it should work out pretty well, yeah. yeah. Like Hazecraft isn't going to go into a bottle, you know? Yeah, I wonder if there's anyone that makes a hazy IPA that they bottle. That just seems like weird. There may have been one once. Yep, you're looking at you? <laughs> <laughs> That was before we, we did a hazy IPA in March, but we didn't have the Detroit arrangement okay. set yet. So right. Yeah. But that's what I thought too, is like, who else, who else has brewed a hazy IPA in a bottle? I'm going to have to look that up because I yeah, can't imagine sure as many. There, there has to be. There has to be. Yeah. Probably, I mean, there's probably some them. small places that just don't have access to canning but have like right. a small little counterfill bottler that they. Right. <clears throat> but that's still. I, I still have um, for some reason, although I could tell you these, um, the Oktoberfest and. I don't even want to run down all the ones I drank yesterday. Um, those are the first beers out of a bottle that I've drank, and I don't know how long. And it's yeah. everything I drink is in a can now. I know. Yeah. I mean, me too, though. That's that's the thing. Yeah, everything that I want to buy is in. Yeah. Well, if I do get something, it's something like older, something older that's yeah. been around for a long time. That I'm like, oh, I haven't had that forever. I'm gonna get one of those. Or now, like, um, so I was gonna say it's still, um drinking a barrel aged stout that's in a can feels yeah. weird yeah exactly i'll still do there's, it though. well i mean yeah like there's no difference to it it tastes just as right. good there there's no yeah. negative to it it just for some reason feels weird yeah it, 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 it is weird yeah that's for me it's weird i'm like yeah 
it's so often you think about this the only beers you lay down put in the cellar and like i would feel weird putting a can in my cellar you know <laughs> like yeah, yeah but the thing is eventually you will be putting cans in I, I, I know. You'll be laying cans down so if i the, ever installed cellarings I, I drank most of my cellar at this point but so yeah. there's a um a group of my friends that every year around halloween um we're actually doing in three weeks from today or three weeks from the, the weekend or whatever um where three years ago we dug a big hole in his yard and we built a coffin and we had a party and we filled it with beer and then we buried it um i can't remember how deep but it was wherever like the um the line in maryland is where it stays 40 degrees all year round <clears throat> um and then so last year was the first year we dug up and drank what was in the coffin replaced everything and i think like out of everything we buried there were maybe like two or three cans uh everything <laughs> was bottles of stuff but we also used it was kind of like everyone showing off like the rarest oldest bottles of things right. they had to put into yes. the the yeah. coffin um but i'm wondering like I'm curious to see, like, as we keep doing this, is it going to shift that we're burying more and more cans? And are yeah. they going to hold up as well as the bottles do? Get some wax dipped cans and stuff. Well, so <laughs> we do, we actually, that that's part of the process. We dip every oh, bottle. Really? Yeah. Just yeah. to add an extra added to protect the cap. Yeah. So mm -hmm. we figured like, well, we may as well do it to the few cans too. So the yeah. cans were, the top of the can was wax dipped. <laughs> seen one somewhere i forget it was like an anchorage and it looked ridiculous <laughs> it also was completely you're impractical sure. when we tried to open it <laughs> yeah because you're gonna puncture the can right oh yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah so while we, like yeah so while i thought funny and it was a good idea while we had been drinking all day and we're putting everything back into the coffin in practice it ended up being not a good idea I like this coffin idea. I like it. It's it's really fun. It's stupid, but it's super yeah. fun. I'll have Buddy to build a coffin. Yeah. <laughs> I'll um when we're done, I'll send you a link to the article I had wrote about it. It has a bunch of the pictures and stuff from when from when we did. It was it was stupid, but it was a lot of fun. And it gives us an excuse every year to get together and drink a bunch dig of up a grave. yeah dig, dig up, up a grave and drink a beer that had been buried for a year <laughs> and every time you tell the story it's just, i tell the story people are like what why would you do that like yeah. no i think it's great <laughs> i love it yeah yeah so when um you already said that when it's going online so that that and that's when do you already have like all the new art and stuff that'll be at is it good like so is will oktoberfest be in a can is it, and is it going to look different than the bottle eventually but not yet okay. i would say this time next year this time next year you'll see kind of the the fully refreshed uh yeah look. things are, it'll be a slow transition okay. you know um of some things will go can only some things will be bottle and can, you know, but when they do turn into a, a canned package, that's when you're going to start seeing the switch of the artwork. And what, exactly. it'll switch in both formats. It'll yes. they'll match each other. Yeah. Okay. 
So yeah, the bottles will have the new label art, um, and they really do like they look pretty snazzy with that yeah. new label. It's not, they work. They definitely work for both. Nice. And like we've kind of gotten. You'll see as they roll out. But um, in fact, some of them are going to roll out pretty soon. But even on the bottles, we kind of got rid of the the black and white space, and now the color extends the whole way up on the label. So it's still recognizable as the as the GLBC brand, you know. But it's it's a lot brighter. Well, yeah, even on Hazecraft, you have that, the nice big circle that... Circle. They, and I think that's pretty much what most of them are going to be. Okay. That's that's where the, the black and white will be with our logo. But then it's just the rest of the can's artwork. So with um, Hazecraft, there, from your social media, there's definitely been a lot of effort put into launching this is... Uh, is it being looked at as like a way of bringing in the newer next generation of craft beer drinkers? The whippersnappers? Yeah. Whippersnappers. Yeah. The whippersnappers. <laughs> the young people look like me as opposed to the old men like Foreman. Right? <laughs> yeah, this is Well, definitely... obviously you can tell by my uh, stripe and my beard. Um, I'm not yeah, exactly. All, it's all in there. I'm not, I'm not okay. exactly <laughs> young. I really need a haircut right, right now. Yeah. Just stay for snapper. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe old, but I still got it. <laughs> I always wear a hat for a reason. Yep. But yeah, this is definitely the first of many um, new beers we have coming out that are, I mean, sure, focused on maybe a younger generation, but like well, just people craft beer drinkers across the board i think almost any age range love pretty much any ipa and they definitely love hazy ipas um i think when you look at the data when it comes to craft beer sales maybe by dollars ipas are getting close to 50 percent of all craft beer sales which is totally mind-blowing to think that of all the craft beers being sold in the united states basically one in every two of them is some form of ipa Maybe it's not that mind-blowing because everybody is brewing so many of them, but you know, for a brewer like us at Great Lakes, we've only had one for um, our first, what, 31 years. Great Lakes IPA came online last year, Hayescraft IPA this year. So um, is a very intentional choice, uh, and it's definitely, again, never to the neglect of any of our other great, great beers that people have enjoyed for so long, but like, this is where people are going, um, and you can... I, and we will keep pumping out uh, pale lagers and amber lagers and porters, and especially drinkers like me will be so happy to have all of those. But um, if we only did that, then we probably wouldn't be around for too much longer. So um, making all the IPAs is, first of all, just it's what the craft beer drinker wants. I also love all the IPAs, uh, and it makes keeping all the legacy beers that people have loved for so long possible as well so you're going to see a lot of cool new stuff from us next year um there are just pretty much wrapping up plans on for um there'll be plenty of hops involved but there's going to be some other cool stuff involved too that we can't tell you about yet right? yeah. <laughs> i told you i'm on i'm on number seven on that two barrel yep. I'm, on, I'm on batch number seven of something over there may not be what you think <laughs> when right? um it is looking at um you know, the definitive way to grade whether a beer is good or not um, at Hayes Crafts untapped rating 
it's been per- received very well. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm Consider- a ticker. I use Untapped all the time, and uh, I keep I keep track of what people are saying. And for an older brewer like us, it's easy to kind of get, um, you know, I mean, sometimes rightfully so, a little criticism about not being innovative or whatever. But for the most part, people have really given pretty good comments on this beer. And then, you know, the one thing that always gets me is when I see people say, oh, man, tastes great. You know, that's tropical. It's like, but it's not really hazy. And it's still like a picture where it's still mostly hazy. I'm like, come on, man. Like you gave it a three because it was like it wasn't turbid orange juice. (laughs) But I mean, I think that's what the hardcore craft beer drinker has grown to identify a hazy IPA as Um, because the the what they get from the tiny brewery down the street that doesn't filter at all and that that's what their hazy ipa looks like and that's that's totally fair and that's absolutely true um but i would argue who cares Uh, although and it's funny like you know if we, we rewind like five or so years ago there would have been the criticism this tastes great but I can't but see through it. it and it looks yeah. disgusting. Yeah, it's gross. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My how things change. <laughs> so quickly too. Yep. But yeah, I was um I drank one today at work earlier while I was um taking photos in the studio and I was very, very um uh happy with how it tasted. Like it was just a really good beer and then the one I just said, it's a, it's a great follow-up to an Oktoberfest also. Mm-hmm. Those hops will come that much more alive. Yeah, they did. Like, so that's when yeah. I had it um, earlier today, like it, the, the flavors were great in it, it, but it hit so much harder after, right after drinking a more subdued beer, like from the hop profile standpoint. Yeah, totally. <clears throat> so it was, it was really good. Um, what does it take to go from a, it are, so I I guess a better way to phrase it would be, are there things that you make in the brew pub that just happen to make it into full production or is it always a deliberate, this is something we want to see in our portfolio and then it makes it into the portfolio? Um, I mean, I think, especially within the last like year and a half, two years, it's been, you know, we want this, we want to see this in our portfolio. So I start screwing around with something. Um, but before that we've had a few, um, you know, it was just me wanting to make something or, you know, like I just had an idea and it used to be if something really took off, uh, in the brew pub then we'd start considering, you know, at least a a limited run of it. Um, And we, up until, you know, this year sort of got, you know, screwed over a little bit. But, I mean, we would do um, small canning runs where we would do 175 barrel batch and can that out. Um, And we did a few things with that. We, I know we did. um, I just want to point out how funny it is that, um, like you guys consider a small canning run, uh, 75, 75 barrels. Yeah. We, we know, only, right? we only can 75 barrels of it. I know. Right? I know. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. 
you know. Relativity. Yeah. Um, but, you know, small for us. Yes. Small for us. Um, but, you know, there there have been times where something took off great. What I'm Mike, what all have – I mean, I remember we've done the Goza. We've yep. done – oh, the Mexican lager. That was, lager. That's a good one. That's right, with the lime. And then that became full production, actually. Yep. Um, yeah, that became our a se- well a seasonal full production. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, um, I, like I mean, I guess to answer your question, nowadays it's more or less well we want to do this, this, and this next year, and then I get anywhere from three to ten months to try to figure something out, um, and then it, but it used to be more straight from that seven barrel, and it went off. It was more, I guess, what's the right word? Organic, where it was. <laughs> I made this at the. I made this at the brew pub. It went crazy, so I made it again. It went crazy again, and then we'd start talking about putting it in, doing something small with it. Right. Whereas now it's the, the industry is just a little bit, you know, it's matured to a certain right. extent where you need to have a little bit more planning yeah. ahead of time. So which is good. Do you have the freedom to make whatever you want on the two barrel system or on the seven barrel at the pub? At like the you- seven barrel. Absolutely. Um, you know, um, and most of the time, especially now, um, the, uh, the two barrel is tied up for R and D solid. I mean, we used to do employee brews probably, what, every other month where we'd get a group from a department. They'd sit down with a brewer. They'd go over what they want to do. The brewer would basically, you know, we'd make up the recipe from what they said they wanted to do. And then we'd brew that beer with the employees. Um, Oh, cool. We don't have time to do that anymore. Like, we haven't for a little while because we've just been pumping out these beers and um And then it's uh, uh, where was I going with this? I lost my train of thought, boys. Uh, I don't know, but choppy, changey, double New England IPA sounded like <laughs> it was really good. Hell yeah! Yeah, what? <laughs> yeah. that's the crazy stuff that you do on the seven. That, and that was it. You know, I just yeah. I wanted to make that. It's from a TV show, Choppy Changey. It's a haircut, a chop, and a change. <laughs> um, it's from an it's an Irish it's an Irish TV show. Um, that my wife was watching and I was cracking up and I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to name a beer choppy change. <laughs> yep. A chop and a change. That element to us. Yep. Right, you know? So yeah, I mean, I get to, for the most part on that two barrel, I can do whatever, you know, I can still do whatever I want. I, um, what I, I just did wet hop. So right now it's not so exciting. I made a fest beer. That's exciting. Um, That's your well, the fest beer I love. The one I made last year was freaking awesome. Um, and this one I've just been pulling off of the fermenter. It's like done lagering next week, and it's so good. Um, this was a collaboration I did with our local homebrew club, the Snobs. Um, <laughs> Society, Society of Ohio Brewers. Yeah. Uh, so, so, yeah, I did this one with the Snobs for their 30th anniversary. Um, and then I did a wet hop. Jeez. Uh, Oh, man, what I end up doing? It's, I mean, it. There's so many hops in this beer. Um, got way more, way more than I ever expected. So we have, we have. Uh, there's a large urban farm like across the street, uh, like around the corner from the brewery. We have a huge plot on. I think I got 
close to 100 pounds from them, from the Ohio City farm. And then my friend has property and he found wild hops growing like four years ago on his property. And we strung all those up and we got another 35, 40 pounds off of his from OMJ Farms. <laughs> Old man Johnson, thanks for your hops, buddy. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I just did that into seven barrels. I'm, I'm pushing 20 pounds per barrel with wet hops for what I did. It's good. It's, I was doing fermenter pulls this morning. It's, we don't uh, get to hop like that very often. No, no. And um, I mean, I can do that. I have the luxury of doing that on that seven barrel system. Oh, yeah. yeah, I need to find some Great Lakes IPA now so I can have that beautiful can in my right. collection. <laughs> right? That well, is like answer the can in the biz. Well, just <laughs> I gotta say that that's one that's getting evolved too, so you gotta get it soon. Oh, right. yeah, right? You're kicking yeah, him off I, the can? Yeah. <laughs> that is <laughs> gonna handle it. There were too many like, you know, just that's accidents at grocery stores people hurting their <laughs> neck for being like oh my god so Gorgeous. It, it was a public safety yeah, request it was, yes, it, was. <laughs> it was mostly grandmothers but <laughs> well I'm, I'm glad you're thinking about the public that was that was right? a, a right. very very altruistic sacrifice to remove yourself from the can for the general <laughs> safety of um <laughs> grandmothers everywhere that's right. <laughs> um so let's talk about a little bit about hop college because i i think that's a um a really cool thing when larger breweries have this whole education thing they do i think like i probably all of them have that inward facing education yeah. they do and then extend it to um their distributors or sales force but i think that's a, that's a lot of time where it stops um, so it's really cool when you invite the public in to also offer those same types of things. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, you know, Hop College kind of ends up covering all of those different audiences right there. Um, <coughs> first, let me talk, say that we actually have been doing um, public beer education more or less from the beginning, too. I've seen I kind of help with our archives at the brewery as well. And uh, we just did a cleaning day not that long ago. And we were rummaging through some stuff from way back. Like the, it had to have been the first couple of years. There's a full on chart of like the brewing process uh, that looks like it was posted in, in our original um, tap room at some place. So we've been doing that from the beginning. And I think with Pat Conway being an educator at heart himself. Um, it's something that's always kind of been with us at Great Lakes. Um, we've been doing public, we used to call it beer school, uh, which is you know, kind of generic. So we wanted to give it a little bit more of a solid name. Um, recently, I just have to show this off too, because it kind of shows the witty tongue in cheek humor for, for Great Lakes. And I'm wearing the shirt right now, but it's on the back. I graduated at the bottom of my glass right there. <laughs> right so I've been waiting to show that picture for about uh, 90 minutes right now, by the way. So, <laughs> uh, it's on the other side. You can't see it. So, But then we just had this opportunity. We had these cool um, brewery tours and uh, basic kind of like beer one-on-one classes. But we were kind of thinking, and it's like, okay, we're talking about craft beer to the craft beer consumer 
as we did in 2000. And like, everybody's so much more educated out there, maybe in part because um, of our early efforts at Great Lakes. So we kind of wanted to, again, evolve that as well. So we came up with this idea of Hop College. It just, I couldn't live with myself if it was University or something like that. <laughs> different than that um so we came up with the idea it's got a little bounciness to it hop college and what do you do in college you learn and you drink a lot of beer so it makes sense uh and what we do is basically with the public classes we um offer a similar kind of training that we give to our internal staff so we have run beer 101 classes in the past where we go through the brewing process, uh, sensory how to taste beer, um, and then of course use our brands as examples of what different classic styles look like, or now uh, that we're doing a little bit more innovative stuff, what these more um, recently developed styles look like. <clears throat> and then we even get a little bit more in depth with some more specialized classes. So I'll do a class where I break down the style uh, I will use the beer judge certification program guidelines for that when it comes to the sensory side. I'll take a deep dive into the history of the style. So, excuse me, we just did IPAs because Sagecraft launched. So, uh, and it's, of course, been an interesting challenge to do this uh, in the COVID era, but very quickly, um, first through live stream tastings on Facebook, but then even we had a class where, like, people bought tickets, they paid you know, a, a certain sum of money. And uh, they came by the brew pub and picked up a little four pack of beers. We gave them uh, Burning River, Commodore Perry, Great Lakes IPA, and Hayescraft. And we just walked through the history of hoppy beers, you know, IPAs throughout history. Uh, part of the big draw is that participants got this excellent oh, that is a Teku glass. That is nice. Why would you not want that, right? <laughs> <laughs> definitely worth the price tag um and it's really cool and like we had like 12 people sign up it was like this is the first time we're doing it, it feels pretty good getting 12 people so um it's been it's really cool um we really love and have always loved but even more so now than ever love sharing you know the wisdom we've gained over the past 30 years um the stuff that we've kind of gleaned from our partners like uh you know i use the cicerone program a lot too um I'm certified Cicerone and lead our own internal trainings for that. So definitely lean on their resources too. Uh, and it's just a lot of fun kind of nerding out and uh, sharing that with, with people no matter where they're coming from. So <clears throat> people can, what's really cool too is that we've never been able to offer this stuff for people outside Cleveland. But now um, if you want to, if you're in Maryland, if you're in Frederick and uh, you want to watch me talk about, let's say, maybe in mid-November, I'm going to talk about holiday beers, maybe. Uh, talk about Christmas ale and some other beers we're going to head up, then you can, it's like a, a nominal fee, hop on the class, go out to the store and find a Christmas ale six-pack and still participate that way. So, um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. That is, um, I would say, one of the few benefits of COVID, where it you know, it may have greatly altered experiences that places were used to doing, but they've adapted things where you can now make them available to so many more people. Maybe, maybe not as great as if 
you're able to do it in person, but so many more people have access to it now. Something that we were not necessarily expecting um, was the chat was blowing up the whole time we were doing this class. Uh, and sometimes it depends on your group. You usually have a couple loquacious people with the in-person classes. Um, but most people actually kind of stay quiet. But in, what was really cool about this was just like so many people were contributing to the discussion because you didn't have to, you, you weren't there on the spot. You know, you didn't feel like, oh, I'm going to say something dumb in front yeah. of the class <laughs> or anything like that. So um, it was really cool. It's less scary uh, to say something dumb virtually than it is in person. It is. As long as it can't be retweeted or yeah. something like that. But, yeah. <laughs> we, um, one of the sponsors of the podcast is a uh, brew pub, or uh, not a brew pub, but a, a pub in Frederick. And every month they do a beer dinner that focuses on a single brewery. They do, um, when they were in person, it was five courses, each course paired with a separate beer. So he started doing virtually where he, he, he paired it down to four courses and like pre-cooked portions of it and then packaged that course into a bag included a can of beer and we recorded videos of how to finish cooking each course um and then that evening we did a live stream with a q a about the meal and anything you wanted to ask the brewery and I was surprised at the interaction with those, like people who didn't participate in the dinner still hopped on just so they could ask questions to the brewery and to, uh, to the restaurant. And it was the same thing. It's, I've been to a ton of those in-person dinners. No one ever asks a question. And, yeah, right. but at these, like people just constantly asking things, it was really cool. Yeah. It's, it makes us feel better too. when people actually, yeah. <laughs> contribute yeah it makes you feel like so well cool people are paying attention i know yeah exactly rip it's it's really nice silver linings right so do you have a whole um curriculum plan that like stuff you need to wait until you can start doing things in person again or are you now trying to adapt everything so that you can do it virtually yeah we, you know, right, pretty much right away, uh, we started thinking in terms of virtual. We actually had a tasting. We had a live tasting on Facebook. And I think it was the fourth week of March, so kind of the last week of March. But, like, pretty much it was no more than a week and a half after things started to get shut down. And uh, we had just come out with the Dortmunder cans and... You know, Dortmunder, especially again back home, is is a big beer for us, and we wanted people to know. So, I just hopped on with our social media guy, and we did a thirty, you know, forty five minute live tasting of Dortmunder, and we talked about why cans are important, and talked about the beer is going to taste the same in the can, <laughs> going to be better, uh, all that stuff. So yeah, and <clears throat> certainly with with so much uncertainty about, we'll say the next six to nine months, we are going to be doing virtual programming for the foreseeable future. Uh, I would even say, even after all this is done, why would you not keep doing it? You know, like we'll bring back in-person classes. We will do brewery tours again. But if you got fans out in, uh, you know, Virginia or 
uh, Wisconsin or, or wherever, upstate New York. And that's just another way to reach more people by offering these virtual experiences. So we'll definitely keep doing them. Uh, we will definitely be doing a holiday beer one in November. And then um, we'll probably, that's like a deep dive class too. It's like exactly what you would get in person with just like a two hour class where we cover like four beers and uh, really go nitty gritty. But you'll see more, um, more casual laid back tastings uh, that I have done a bunch of, Foreman's done a bunch of too. And uh, we'll rotate some other fun characters from the brewery in as well. So yeah, it's, it's definitely going to keep going. And then especially considered for us, we have a lot of new beers coming out next year. It's going to be really important to, to keep doing that stuff because um, there's some creative things coming down the pipeline that people are going to want to know a lot about. Nice. I look forward to if if how good Hayes Craft is any indication of the other new stuff you have coming out. I look forward to uh, seeing what you have cooking. Oh yeah. <clears throat> um, you know I wanted to go into Ohio craft beer scene in general, but I mean we could skip over that if you want, since I've already kept you guys close to two hours now. Yeah. And my family yeah. just got home, so I don't know how long it'll be before I have a kid run through that door right there. <laughs> yeah, I've been doing it the whole time. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I mean, two hours is kind of a good amount of time, but yeah. if you want, I'm cool with talking. Ohio. We've touched on almost everything else. Yeah, so we have. You know, right. you know what we, we should do? Let's. Whenever you are able to talk about all the new exciting things you have coming out, let's do a follow-up episode and then we can talk about, um, Ohio in general. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's what we call secrets right now. I want to spill, but I can't spill them. (laughs) So maybe we should just keep talking and have someone bring you more beer. Right? Yeah, exactty. He's, right. He's sitting on the couch playing on his laptop right now, right? Beer dinner? No. What what was that, Mike? I said that's my that's my danger right now is that I'm almost out. Yeah. So, so I mean we could we could spend a couple minutes just talking Ohio crap beer real quick and then wrap it up. No, let's want. let's save it. Let's do let's do yeah, a follow up episode and let's save it. Cause I, like I feel it. like I need to come out and experience um some first before talking about it that's not beer <laughs> that's an experiment in a beer bottle that's not beer. <laughs> and and i hear my my kids are getting progressively louder yeah. mike he's oh. trying to hand me a bottle i i hand bottled a few bottles of ranch water for uh, a test <laughs> like age and stability testing that's and exactly I have, valley ranch yeah, yeah and i, I in the fridge and he's like <clears throat> hey, want to drink like, this next holding it like going to open it and i'm like no 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 Might be another one of the secrets i don't know yeah. <laughs> please we're hope gonna, please we're not gonna explain what that is <laughs> <laughs> all right gentlemen uh thank you so much for your time i greatly enjoyed learning about uh a beer that i started drinking forever ago um and i really really do enjoy Hayescraft. this is awesome. the i'm glad that it's a year-round available because i really think this is like a you know, like a, a great just nightcap or like as you were saying like a bike ride beer yeah yep hmm. yeah i love it i'm i'm so happy with that beer the cans look great beer tastes great 
Yeah. It's trouble. Yeah. It's trouble in a canyon. So um, thank you guys for your time. No problem. And, and uh, thank yeah. you, everyone, for watching and listening. Cheers. Cheers, all. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook. And if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening. Oh my God, that's good.